Are you ready to take a bite out of the competition? Are you looking for ideas to make your business better? Welcome to the Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet. Sponsored by Apple Capital Group. At the core of every successful business, you'll find people making a difference. And with each episode of the Core Business Show, we talk with those people, examine those ideas, and explore the strategies that make them special. Now, the host of the Core Business Show, Tim Jacquet. Good morning and welcome to another edition of the Core Business Show. I'm Tim Jacquet, your host. Today we're going to uh, have a company profile interview with Turner Jones. He's the Chief Operating Officer with Nationwide Corn and Bullion. If you'd like to join the conversation, feel free to call 347-324-6034. Again, uh, you can also email us at info at the Core Business Show. Again, that number is 347-324-3460. Or you can pose a question in the chat room. We're going to take a break for a moment. We'll be back. You listen to the Core Business Show. You're listening to The Core Business Show, sponsored by Apple Capital Group. Apple Capital Group in Jacksonville, Florida, is a commercial lender that specializes in asset-based loans, equipment leasing and financing, invoice financing, commercial real estate loans, and asset-based financing in the U.S. and Canada. Apple Capital Group is a direct lender that lends on their private equity investment portfolio. 90% of most loans are decided within two hours and vendor funding within 24 hours after documents are completed with a one-page application. No slow no's, just a quick decision and a fast yes. To get more information about lending from Apple Capital Group, call 866-611-7457. That's 866-611-7457 to speak with one of our loan specialists or visit us right now at applecapitalgroup.com. Welcome back to the core. Once again, here's Tim Jacquet. Well, welcome back. Well, Turner, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Tim. Great. Uh, I've been, I think, uh, working with you guys for probably the last uh, three, probably five, four years, four or five years now. Uh, five years in April. Yeah, five years. And I remember first meeting uh, you and uh, Larry. So, mainly, I've been watching your company uh, through this process in the last five years, and you guys have blown up from a real small operation to where you are today. I guess, kind of tell us if you don't mind. Kind of tell us uh, uh, to begin with. Tell us about yourself, and then we'll start on talking about your company. Okay, uh, my background is in uh, sales management, sales training, on-call uh, training for. Uh, Many uh, phone uh, phone stations, phone rooms, phone management rooms, that that kind of thing. So, I've been I've been doing this type of work for uh, probably since last 20 years. Um, a few years ago, I came and was given a business opportunity to get into the current market uh, with the precious metal business, to where we would place ads, receive phone calls, make sales, and then turn around and, and reload the customers and continue the business relationship with the customer. And that's what we are currently doing today with the, in the precious metals market. Wow. So when you actually was given that opportunity, I mean, you, it was just from the ground up, or they were actually uh, just starting off, or were they existing uh, doing business? No, this was from the, this was from the ground up. Um, we, we went in, it was my partner and I, and 
uh, one of his stepsons and a couple a couple other salesmen, and um, we got on the phone and went after it. So it was it was very much a ground floor uh, startup. Matter of fact, we actually started the business in the front bedroom of my house. Wow! At the very beginning. So yeah, it was from about as from the ground as you possibly can get. And from uh, from that ground moment. What are the things that you, when you went through that process in sales, that you can offer advice for startups as when they start from the ground up? What things they should should do and things they should kind of avoid or look for? Well, um, one of the best, well, as far as just on the sales in order to continue to have sales, uh, we're a true believer in marketing and, and advertising. We do we do lots of advertising. We spend upwards of $200,000 a month on ads. So we're very much into the core part of advertising, receiving the phone calls, getting people to contact us, and and, and building that sales relationship. Um, I would have to say one of the biggest mistakes that most companies like ours can get in is not understanding that advertising market and getting out there and kind of throwing your advertising money into that marketing black hole that's out there as it goes away and you don't see any return on it. Um, you have to you have to be very good. Work with different people that will give you an idea of how you know what magazines, what newspapers, what mailing lists, what places will get you to your core target customer. And the more that you can get there, uh, and the easier you can get there. And the quicker you can get there with the least amount of dollars, obviously, will, will you know it's going to be the best. And of course, doing small tests and then grow it from there. On the sales end, um, we do an extensive sales training program uh, that's based from you know some of the from from some of the old pros, you know the uh, Tom Hopkins and Zig Ziglar and, and some of the other ones. That, and we've created our own sales training program to make sure that we have you know, the ultimate chance on the phone when. When somebody calls in or when we're dealing with somebody, they we have the absolute best chance of getting us most amount of money out of that situation and having as profitable situation for both the customer and ourselves as possible. When you actually look at that marketing budget, I mean, 200000 is a lot of money. And ironically, I mean, I've been on many planes for the last five years, and I've seen your ads. Uh, on the airplanes, when you picked up that magazine, sure. uh, did you actually just went to an ad agency or you actually market everything on your own? To each magazine. When we started, when we started out, we started off by contacting newspapers ourselves. I had written a newspaper ad, and I was placed in the newspapers, and we were getting um, a decent return, but it still wasn't that high, high rate of return that we were looking for down the road. Um, we in turn took that uh, that newspaper ad, turned it in from from a newspaper ad into a magazine ad. Magazine ad, that's where you would have saw us in in, uh, in the beginning. We did some of the in-flight magazines, mm-hmm. Hemispheres and some of the other ones, which were decent. From there, um, we actually received a call from an agent that uh, said, said, hey, listen, you know, we know your type of offer. We know what you're looking for. Would you give us a try? You know, we, we have some suggestions to try it out. And, of course, at that time, we had a very limited budget. I think our first advertising budget we took um, my partner and I we took we saved up five thousand dollars, put it over three magazines, and crossed our fingers and hoped for the best and you know luckily the the agent was right in in their placement and and our ad was right I mean we had worked on our ad for quite some time. Wow, so when you actually went to that that particular agent, he selected the magazines for you that you need to target or uh, it was- he su- he suggests he suggested the magazines. He's um, 
when he asked me what our target customer was or you know what was the demographics of our customer we we told him and he said you know this will follow in line with some of the other type of advertising that we've done in the past um you know hit a very conservative market uh you know higher income market things of this nature since you know these are the type of people these type of people read these type of magazines and respond well to these type of magazines so uh you know so he made some suggestions and of course we didn't have the money to do any of the big ones we had to do the smallest ones uh and work our way up and keep an advertising budget and just constantly increase that advertising budget by as much as we can um to finally get to the point where we are today to where we're spending the big two hundred thousand dollars a month out there, which actually is very small compared to what some do. I mean companies spend millions of dollars in advertising. But uh it, it it's just a it's a constant pressure uh in order to grow a company like this. It, you gotta constantly be pushing forward um and keep pressure on it. So what are your advice uh if uh for in dealing with an advertising company, we think of the the huge companies that you know take multi-million dollar contracts um, for advertising. What advice will you give a small a person who started off with a five thousand or ten thousand budget a month? What things they actually need to look for when you talk to you know an advertising executive? Well, um, I would I would steer clear of the big ad agencies. Um, you know, you're you're looking for you want to look for people that uh, ad agents that do remnant buys in newspapers and magazines. Um, this is a remnant buy is is a buy to where you get in when they have a spot available. You may not always exactly get the spot. For instance, with a newspaper, you get a remnant buy with a newspaper, and it could be your you have a two week window open where they'll place your ad in in that newspaper uh, one day. One of those days within that 14-day period, mm-hmm. uh, and they won't—you don't know exactly when they use it when they need it. Uh, this cuts down the price of newspaper advertising and magazine advertising sometimes as much as 90% of what wow. you would normally pay for for an ad. If you look at companies um, that do brand advertising, which is some of the most expensive advertising there is out there, this is like Levi's or Ford or. Or somebody introducing their product, their new product out there, that's just doing brand advertising. It's not a direct response. You know, these people pay. These people are full page ad in the Houston Chronicle or the, or the New York Times. They'll pay eighty, ninety, a hundred thousand dollars for one of these ads, as compared to if you get in a remnant situation, you can reduce that significantly by buying a remnant, by buying a, a remnant ad. So those are the type of ad agents that you're looking for that are there to go ahead and find the exact best deals for you. Now, obviously, um, one thing you don't want to do with an ad agency, with any ad agency, is let them do your creative for you. Uh, they use they, they use a lot of what we call canned advertising, mm-hmm. um, and you'll end up looking like a lot of the other ads out there. Spend a lot of time on your ads and, and make sure they're creative. Make sure you're getting your message across at the very top of the ad so that you so you're grabbing somebody the minute they see it. People don't waste much time on that, on magazine ads or newspaper ads unless they're intrigued right at the beginning. Okay. And most of your your budgeting is really print or is it kind of across the board? You know, print has been our bread and butter here for these last 5 years. We have 
branched out, and right now we are branching out to the radio. Um, next year we're going to do some infomercials, uh, television. We've also started to expand. Uh, we've now gone out of the country. We're in Canada, and we're starting uh, the U.K. as well uh, with print and then eventually radio and and um, TV as television as well. Uh, it's a different uh, when you come into radio and television. It you know it's a different animal. Uh, one to fig a little bit different, difficult to figure out as far as print than print because you have a longer sell on it. But you're reaching a lot of people for for a little bit for not quite as much money. Your CPM or your cost per thousand or how how many eyes you reach uh, that 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 cost goes down. But uh, it's a wonderful way of advertising once you, once you get the right combination of a correct ad and a correct market and the right people answering the phone. So when you also uh, do you do any internet or uh, or just really just your bread and butter, you just stay with uh, what works. Well, we we've done a little bit of internet. Unfortunately, we've on a, we've we that's one area we have not been to uh, at it yet that we have been too successful with. Uh, we, we find that uh, internet internet moves pretty quickly. People are out there. They they move around. They they get confused. They get lost out there in the internet. There's just so much stuff out there in the internet. So many different offers that we've yet to figure out how to make it a really profitable profitable venture and create that really good relationship with the customer where they want to continue to come back and and, and purchase more and more for us and and be there for the long haul. Wow. When you go, if we move to the sales force itself, uh, putting any sales force together has always been is a challenge because you're dealing with you no know, talent or the untalent, and if it's the person that's trainable, uh, kind of tell us your process when you're actually looking for a person to work for you guys to do what you really need to do on on the sales force and phone. Well, obviously, the the type of person we're 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 looking for is a highly motivated individual, right? Somebody that um, is look that's not looking there to sit there and you know have just a base salary, um, just have the base, and looking for the two weeks of vacation every year, and the four hundred one k and the medical, and not saying that that's not available, but the type of person we're looking for is somebody that wants a place that's really open-ended to where they can come in, they can get on the phone, they can use that computer of theirs, that, that customer call log of theirs, like a, like a cash register to take from it when they want, and to be able to write their own check and be able to make as much money as they can and not have any limitations on them as to what they're able to make per year. Uh, that's obviously the type of person that we're looking for. Now, on the other hand, like we tell everybody, I mean, anybody with a, with an average with a, with an average intelligence, all right, and is able to speak clearly, we believe we can train you to do it. Anybody can do this business. Mm-hmm. Anybody can get on this phone, get on these phones, and make a living and be good at it and make a nice living. But the the difference is is whether or not they choose to do it. I mean, we truly believe that it, it's not like a certain animal or a certain breed of people. You know, some, a certain type of person is the only one that can that can survive in this business because uh, it's just it, it's it's just not true. My partner's uh, stepson came in here when we, one of the first employees that we had, and he just was not who you would think of as a typical salesman. 
you can't, could hardly get the word edgewise out of the guy. Um, but he wanted it so badly that he came out of his own personality, got on the phone, made the 100, 200 phone calls a day, listened, learned, and now he, he, he's our best salesman. And, wow. and this, I mean, this shows goes to show that if you want it, if there's something that you really want, something that you're really willing to step out of your comfort zone in order to do, you can do it. So it, 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 you don't have to have a certain type personality, an A-type personality, or the most outgoing personality in order to succeed in business. How do you keep them motivated after they get to the point that, hey, I'm getting this great income, and you know they have all this, this energy going, going, and then all of a sudden the light starts to dim? Uh, that's one thing that, uh, you know what, luckily we don't have too much of it. There's a lot of, there's a lot of competition out there on the floor, so I would say natural, uh, natural, co- uh, natural competitiveness works out there. Uh, we, pe- we keep all our people together. We don't throw them off in an office by themselves so they sit there every day and have to pick up the phone. We like to keep them together so there's a synergistic effect, so the room creates energy. And if you walk in that room, it's popping, it's moving, it's it's got things going on. The tempo is high, the volume's high, and people are excited. And, and that's just one of the things that you have to do in order to to stay on the phone to make that type of money is you have to go into every single call with the same enthusiasm, the same attitude, assuming the self the same way you did your very first call of the day. Uh, and, and to be able to do that, there's certain incentives that we give out. You know, we'll we'll even give cash bonuses daily uh, in, in order in order to to motivation. Uh, we'll give away. You know, we will give away seat. We have season tickets to the uh, to the Rockets. We'll give you know, top sales today. We'll give you this. So we kind of keep it up and going with um, contest uh, for you know either cash contests, uh, tickets. Uh, it, last year we ended up giving away three Rolexes for the top three salesmen. First first salesman got a solid gold Rolex. The second salesman got a a two-tone, a gold, and, and uh, stainless steel, and the third-place salesman got a stainless steel Rolex. So that was a huge motivating factor. People loved it. People around it liked watching the contest go on, uh, and it, it keeps people motivated. And uh, you know, at the end, you got to you got to have fun with this thing. You can't look at it as a, as a daily grind. So, kind of tell, give us a picture, paint us a picture on how your sales for a look. Are they all in cubicles, or is maybe just have dividers in between cubicles? It's, they're cubicles, but they're 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 low they're they're low lining cubicles. There's not the cubicles that are uh, six feet high that block out all the that, that that block out all the noise. We want it to where when you can stand up, and especially you're new in the business, that you can stand up and you can wave your hand, and a manager or somebody else will actually be able to jump on that phone call with you. And get on that phone call, and if you're you don't know where to go, or especially like when you're new, or or even when you've been there for a while, if you're dealing with a customer type of customer that you've never dealt with before, somebody can step in and help you and lead you through that. So it's very important to be able to have contact with the other salesmen while you're on that floor. So we want excitement. We want everybody working together. Uh, with all that together, it just makes for a nice. It, it makes for a really nice sales floor. It makes for a really motivated sales floor. 
And we actually do that Salesforce itself. Uh, Technology-wise, if someone wants to do that, do they actually put in a certain uh, telephone system to handle that? How do you actually deal with the telephone system, which is going to be the, the core of your whole telemarket business? When we when we started off, um, we you know we just had a regular analog phone system. Uh, it, it wasn't anything special, uh, but you know we we always had it to where somebody can monitor the call and listen in, and so so we can help each other. That was the most important. That was truly the most important thing was being able to get somebody on the phone. Where my partner and I, we trained the first few guys, and then they went and they trained the next guys, and they kept on training and kept on going from there. And, of course, you know, you can put them through all the training programs you want, and that's great for a basis, for a, a ground ground floor, but it's that hands-on experience that, that helps. So with a phone system that, in, that allows you to, to, to be a part of the call and break into a call and listen and help others, that, as far as technology, that's one thing that, that really will help. Another thing that helps down the road that we were able to get once we got into IPs, VOIP, VoIP systems, uh, was to where the call, all the calls are being recorded. So we can come back and we take we can take the recorded calls and we can go get together with the salesman. If maybe a salesman's in a slump or not doing as well as the way he thinks he should, we can listen to those calls, bring the bring the salesman in, say, let's listen to the call. Let's see what are you doing differently now that you weren't doing a few months ago or what are you not doing now that you were doing a few months ago and, and lead them direct them and get them back on the right track and, and, and push them forward. We actually, uh, from the sales floor to the manager, um, it, you kind of hire within as a person excel and they get to this particular point and they want become a ma- uh, floor manager. Uh, do you actually promote them from uh, from within? We, yes, we bring everybody up within. There's no way we would bring in a manager over everybody else here just because they came with a good reputation. You have to you have to start on the floor. You have to start at the bottom and, and work your way up. Um, here, when you can, when you come in to work this company, in order to get those really lucrative, juicy advertisements and, and be on those phone calls, you have to first cold call and and sell ten thousand dollars worth of, worth of certified sales before you can even get on those calls. So it it everything starts from the ground floor. Everybody starts at the same place. And then of course those there are those who excel and, and shine above all the rest and, and they naturally move uh, move and work towards manager positions. Well we're gonna take a break for a second and we'll be back in about fifteen seconds. You listen to the core business show. You're listening to the core business show. Sponsored by Apple Capital Group. Welcome back to the core. Once again, here's Tim Japan. Okay, uh, welcome back to the core business show. We actually take the whole pot of uh, when you're dealing with the the sales force itself. Um, have you actually look at maybe expanding, or how do you actually expand your workforce? From hey, I'm starting from uh, ten people, and I'm going to twenty. Or are you seeing any growing pains or things that you? Because uh, some people can go from ten to twenty, but then they have a lot of issues that, uh, that comes along with it. When you actually start your growth, uh, how do you actually you plan? Say, did you actually look at hey, I'm going to have fifty people at the very end, or how did you actually manage that progression? Well, we were. 
in the beginning of the growth, we were we were very lucky to be in an industry that was um, that was very hot at the time. So there was a little bit of a, a of a natural energy and and aggression around it from the, from there, progression around it from there. Um, but outside of that, it came to where we knew that we could only grow and put more people on the phone. The more and more phone calls that we had coming in, obviously giving them more and more customers. Um, with this, we realized that um, once we got up a past 10, 15 salesmen, in order to get bigger from there, it wasn't just put them on the sales floor, teach them some stuff, put them through the program. Now we actually have our own, we found a sales manager that will do a training. So now when you come in, you actually go into a separate training room with people that are brand new, that are learning how to do the business. And uh, you know we constantly we're constantly hiring or constantly looking for people, and and the, those people come through. You know every once in a while you'll see somebody come through somebody come through that really shines, ready to do it, and then they make it out there to the big sales floor. So there there it, it there is a high a little bit of a high turnover in it because uh, tell you the truth not everybody's really willing to do. Uh, this kind of business, it's very high energy and it's and it's high stress, but the payoff is amazing, and and that's what most that's what the people that are on our sales floor are looking for in the end is the payoff. I know you just mentioned earlier you talk about expansion to Canada, or you're looking to just keep everything based here and and base your yes, we'll, okay yes we'll, yeah we'll keep our phone room right here and we'll just put the ads in Canada and then. Uh, like I said, going to the U.K., we're having to already start doing a little shift work in order to pick up those calls, um, which we're in the very infancy ch- uh, stages of that. But, um, yeah, no, we'll keep we'll keep everything centrally located. We, 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 we like to stay on top of our business. We don't want satellite offices that can be out drowning money, not knowing what's going on out there. We like to, we like to keep things under one roof. Okay. When he, you talk about partnership, um, uh, how your company is structured. Uh, when you started at the very beginning and you started in the living room and you had your partner, how you guys actually vision your company will be in five and ten years from now? Uh, from then? I tell you what, at the very beginning, we were just trying to pay the bills. I mean, that was that was our first vision. All we could look at was, all right, how are we going to make sure the rent's paid? We're able to pay our own mortgages and pay our own way. So that that that's what we were looking at first. But w- when we started to see the growth, we uh, we we knew that we were going to have to be able to keep up with it, and we knew that we were going to have to be able to stay sharp, and we knew that we were, that we we couldn't step on each other's toes, and and repeat things, um, and and basically make make a mess of things. So we, one thing that my partner and I did is we we kind of split the business in half. I was responsible after we really started getting going. I was responsible for marketing, uh, running admin, bookkeeping, uh, HR, all of that kind of stuff. Business, uh, business progression, and my partner managed managed the sales force, and he had another person with him that's actually managing the purchasing of the product and the shipping of the product. So keeping a nice defined. Uh, company layout of who does what and, and when they do it is a great way to be able to envision your company and be able to see how your company should go and it, it, it really helps you keep everything in nice little boxes 
and make make sure that you're not doubling your efforts. Make sure that you, that you're doing things uh, the most beneficial way for your company. So, I mean, so do you guys actually meet every week and talk about, hey, this is the the status of uh, the business? Um, uh, which, like, I know most people have a sales managers meeting, but for partners meeting, do you have like partners meetings weekly to say, hey, this is what we're doing as a communication effort? Well, uh, my partner and I are on the phone quite often with each other, but as far as an actual meeting, we'll have a we'll have a meeting once a period. We break we break our year down into thirteen four week periods. Um, so we have at the end of every period, we'll have a managers meeting. We'll get together with our managers, talk to our managers, see what they think, see what's happening with them, go over new ideas, what ways we think that we can improve, uh, every, all of those together. And then a few days later, we'll go ahead and we'll have a company meeting with everybody, in which we'll you know talk about the last month's numbers, talk about the last period's numbers rather, talk about. What were our strengths? What were our weaknesses? What are we going to do from here on out to do better in that? And 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 what should we go? Could what can we expand on? So that's kind of how we uh, look at our company and and manage it as far as meeting aspects and keeping in contact with with each other and the rest of our company. So when you have your managers meeting, do is it like an open floor? I mean, they can say. Make suggestions. You guys take a look at it, or you kind of collectively as a group say, "Hey, this might work. This might not work." And you better believe it. It's it's a complete open floor. Everybody has just as much say as the other person. I mean, we want to hear all ideas. Uh, don't ever think that your idea is is too small or or or, or not not clever enough. Uh, if if you got something on your mind, it, it's a free floor to say what say, say what you feel, um, say what you think. Uh, if you have ideas, you think something's going to really do well for us. Let's hear. You know, let's hear it. Not saying we'll go. We will definitely go with it, but we want to hear it, and we'll keep an open mind about it. Fair enough. So, how do you handle uh, disagreements between the partners or disagreement between uh, managers? There are always going to be disputes. <laughs> yeah, there is. There is. There's always disputes. Um, I guess. My partner, my partner and I, fortunately, we work together. We work together pretty well. I mean, we've had our we've had our disagreements on things, and uh, we, we try really, really hard to try to give and take. All right, you know, hey, listen, you know, you know, you you take this one, I'll take, you know, I, I'll I'll go ahead and have this one, and and, and separate it like that. But uh, both of us try to be very reasonable about it, and try to make sure that we look at the business, and, and um, we we have one. Thought the two of us that, that stays pretty that, that keeps us in line quite a bit is that we have to look at this we have to look at this business as if it's a child as, as it's a member of our family that's somebody that we want to take care of and we have to make the decisions that are best for this business as if it was a child uh, not what's best for maybe us personally what's best for our pride what's best for our ego what's best for uh, anybody else that's in the company, what is best, ultimately best for the company? It will keep, keep the company as healthy and as strong as it is. So, I mean, that's that's way that that's kind of the ways that my my partner and I deal with it. Uh, in between other managers, you know, we 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 listen to them and we give them ideas. Uh, but most of the time, we tell them, "Hey, listen, you're 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 adults, you're professionals. We put you in that position because we believe in you." We believe in what you can do. Figure it out. 
you know, figure it out, go ahead, you know, argue it out, and come up with a decision in the end that, that will work, keeping in mind that you're a company person. The same way we look at the company like a child, you've got to be a company person. You're looking out for the best of the company as well. So we go into the future of 20 years from now. How you guys actually plan uh, to exit your company, retire, or step back some? Uh, have you guys worked uh, those details out in the future, 25 years from now? Well, we've worked uh, 25 years. Uh, that's yeah. We we got the now. I'm, I'm quite a bit younger than my partner. My partner's uh, almost 60 years old. Okay. Uh, I, I'm 41, so I, I have quite a bit time left. And you know, we made the agreement that you know he can you know he can kind of step back from the business as much as he wants or, or as little as he wants it you know he can be in a, much involved in it as he wants or, or not uh he still chooses to be he's got a lot of energy he's a young guy at heart you know he 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 likes to stay in there and crank and work with it but um i i guess in 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 the long long term future 20 25 years from now uh i'm you know with we don't know. We 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 try to keep smaller goals in the head. We try to keep it down to down to down to two and five year goals, and, <laughs> and, and keep keep those long term goals. You know, hopefully, I don't know. We're just we're just old and wealthy and just going to do what we want to do twenty twenty five years from now. When you actually set your goals, you're actually you're just doing the two three year kind of your commitments. Yeah, two two to five years. I, okay. I I think start starts anything over five years. I mean, you can get really lost in that. I mean, things change over the years. You know, your, your goals can change depending upon what's going on with the market, what's going on out there in business, what's going on with the economy, um, with the total economy, world economy, and the United States economy. Uh, and you set your goals according to that and, and the direction you're going to go in accord in that. Anything more than five years can get get quite vague. Wow. Tell us about your company itself. Uh, you guys are retail at me uh uh, distributor, retailer for coins. And- we, uh, we we are um, we are a retailer of coins. So we 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 go direct to the consumer. We rare, we don't sell to uh, other wholesalers or, or things like that. We we are direct to consumer. So we're direct business to consumer. So basically, they place a call in, and it's for uh, like, do you actually just sell the bars themselves or just coins? We, we sell bars. We sell coins. Um, the great thing about what we do that we like to do and, and that our customers like is unlike a lot of other companies that do uh, leveraging and, and do gold shares, things like that, we actually put the product in the hands of our customers. Um, one thing a gold one thing a gold customer is, is a gold cus- most of our gold customers are very private. They don't want everybody knowing what they have, and they don't want – to have to to have to show their stocks and their bonds to, for the whole world to know, uh, it's just between it's just between uh, they and the government. So they like actual physical possession, putting it in their putting it in their own safe. Uh, you know, a lot of them are, they become really personally involved and they really like the coins. They'll take the coins out and they'll look at them, and the the coins are absolute gorgeous. I mean, they've. Uh, a lot of these coins that we sell have won, won medals on, uh, uh, on for their beauty and their luster. Uh, it's a neat business for those people that are into it on the actual collector aspect, uh, as well as the people that are in for the investment. So, uh, yeah, we, we we get them out bars. 
Uh, but a lot of coinage, a lot of people like to buy in coinage. You pay a little bit more on the front end with the coinage, but you also get it back on the back end as well. Wow. So it's freshly minted corns. I mean, do you guys actually sell old corns as well? Sure we do. We we sell old coins. Um, one thing we stay with for the most part is we do stay with American coins. We we do very few foreign coins. That's a market that we're looking that we might want to get into in the future here. Uh, but right now we stay with either uh, with either the old pre-1933 coins, the coins that came from the from the old days, the West, and uh, you know our customers love to talk about them and they they love to think about who you know who was holding this this piece of gold from the 1800s you know what was going on at the time some people really uh, like the provenance of it the, to romanticize about it um, so yes we, we do old coins and we do new coins you know some of the new commemorative coins are absolutely gorgeous they commemorated uh, wonderful events in our in our country's history and and they're great to look at and, and a lot of fun a lot of fun to read about and and, and, and own yourself so the coins really come out of the mint, uh, the U.S. mint, and various places, or yes, we 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 every typically everything we sell. I would say ninety nine percent of everything we sell comes from comes out of the United States mint. It's minted by the United States mint. We don't um, get into. Uh, I'm sure you've probably seen, you know, like the Franklin mint and things mm-hmm. like this. Other places that make their own, where you get to call them a medallion. Um, we actually we we try to stay with pieces that. Uh, other than gold bars and, and and ingots and things like that of, of precious metals, stay with U.S. currency pieces. Okay. Actual actual currency. But you really don't want to to cash them in. I mean, you just want to just. No. Well, yeah. You want you wouldn't want to cash <laughs> them in. It, it may have a dollar. It may have a dollar figure on there. It may be a maybe a fifty dollar gold piece, but you. you Definitely don't want to spend it as as fifty dollars. I mean, you could if you wanted to. I mean, you'd make some some cashier's dream. But yeah, it's a uh, it's it, it. They do have a currency amount on there, but of course they're worth well past their their, their dollar value. And lastly, how do you actually care for these uh, these coins? Um, we we try to uh, we keep these coins when they come in. We try to all of our coins we try to keep in in, in their mint condition. So. Most of the coins, when we have raw coins come in, we send most of them off to be uh, graded and encapsulated uh, by, by, a, by a professional company so that they will stand up for the, for, uh, for the measurement of time. Um, put, them, you know, put them into our safes, and we get them to our customer as, as, as safely as possible, and, and hopefully they'll take as much care of them and, and love them as much as we do. So with the the people who actually buy the corns, they really don't want people to know because then it, it kind of it becomes a security risk in one sense that you carrying gold pieces in your home. It certainly does. Well, not, like I said, not everybody keeps them in the home. Hopefully, you know, a lot of people are you are out there. They're using a, a safety deposit box okay. and other other measures to 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 store their coins, especially if you start talking about a, a high amount. But if you are keeping the home, you know, at least keep quiet about it, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Anything else you would like to share about your company? No, that's it. I certainly appreciate uh, appreciate the interview, Tim. Uh, had a good time, and uh, thanks for thinking of me. Great. No problem. So kind of tell us how we can reach you if we're looking at coins. Oh, uh, you can reach us any time at uh, 281-531-1220. Uh, the uh, toll-free number is 877-817-1220. And your website address? 
uh, nationwide coins, plural, coins.com. Okay, and give us that 800 number again. 877-817-1220. Great. Thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate it, Turner. Thanks, Tim. And good luck. Okay, take care. Bye now. You listen to the Core Business Show. Everybody have a great day and take care. Thank you for listening to the Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet. For more information about equipment financing and asset-based loans, visit our website, applecapitalgroup.com. That's applecapitalgroup.com. Or call us at 866-611-7457. We hope you'll join us for our next episode. And remember, you can always get to the core via iTunes. You'll find all our previous episodes there. And thanks again for listening to The Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet.